Bible with me, if you would. Let's go to the Word and look in the book of James, chapter 3. Praise God. James chapter 4, actually. Let's look at being, uh, uh, becoming an always answered asker. Now, if you're here for the first time or whatever, we've been doing this for about five weeks, so we'd love to catch up for you, but we, you know, we make tapes and such as that, so you can catch up, but it'll stand on its own. You'll catch, but if you want more, we're going to do more. Um, you know, I did this series in a different form and a different level a number of years ago, I think about five, four or five years ago. And I remember Roy Arnold, he's, he's already gone this morning, but I remembered him uh, uh, taking some things. I mean, there are several people that did, but I know specifically about him, that he went and, and, uh, and just said, bless God, I'm going to ask for some stuff. And he went to his boss and said, boss, I'm paraphrasing this, I don't know how it really came out, but he said, I need a raise. And the boss said, well, let's just do it then. Walked out there with a big, fat, juicy raise because he learned how to ask. I'm an always answered asker. I said, I'm an always answered asker. Let's say it together. I'm an always answered asker. But you know, that's not what most churches, most Christians, most denominations, most people can say. Even though they know the Lord, they love the Lord, they believe the Lord, they believe His Word, yet you can tell by their attitude, tell by their perspective, tell by their church life, that they don't have a high expectation of getting all their prayers answered. It's kind of the quantity thing, that if you throw enough out there, the law of averages says you're liable to get a few back. So if you can throw out a whole bunch, well, you know, you, you, you might land a few. And so we've kind of had that attitude. You know, throw some out there. And so we've, uh, we've had a low level of return on our asking. Well, it could be that we don't know how to ask. It could be that we just don't ask. But one thing for sure, I can tell you, the church has been taught, whether by, uh, uh, by design or by default, we have been taught not to expect much from God. We've been taught that. And we have certainly reaped it. We've certainly taken it to the, to the barn and put it up and said, this will keep for a while. We've believed that lie. And it's just foreign for anyone to stand up and say, God wants every single prayer that you ever petition Him with. He wants it answered. Amen. I'm talking about prayers that he approves. So we got to get prayers that he approves. Amen. Look in James chapter 4. Let's just look here at this verse for a moment and then we'll go on. It says, um, verse 1, From whence come wars and fightings among you? Come they not hence, even of your lusts, that war in your members? Ye lust. That word lust in the Greek is the word hedoni. And it's the word we get from hedonism which is self-pleasure and self-gratification. It has to do with forbidden things. But it says, Ye lust and have not, ye kill, and desire to have and cannot obtain. Ye fight and war, yet ye have not, because ye ask not. Ye have not, because ye ask not. And so we've accepted this psychology that the church has put out. We've accepted this psychology for truth. We said, well, that, that goes along with my experience that you can't expect every prayer to answer, be answered. And, you know, there's a lot of reasons. We don't know any of them, they would say, but there's surely a lot of reasons why God can't answer prayer. And then what we've done is we've measured God by man's nature. We've said, you know, that we can't answer every request made unto us, and so surely it must be the same way with God. And that, you know, some people are asking for, you know, they got that so-called Cadillac faith or whatever. They're asking wrong and such as that. 
And so, and then it deals with that. It deals with that. Uh, it goes on there in another verse and talks about uh, uh, you ask amiss. Talking about you don't you, you ask with the wrong motive. But most Christians that we're talking about, that'd be a small proportion. Most Christians are sincere in their asking. They have genuine needs. They believe God could meet those needs if he so desired. And they have a Bible that tells them, you ought to ask God. And so we have all the elements there that we have a God that could meet needs. We have a Bible that tells us to, to uh, uh, ask him for those needs. Yet we have an unfulfilled church. If anything the church ought to be to the world is we ought to be people that get our prayers answered. If we ought to have any demonstration, it might not be miracles. It might not be look at the building program. It might not be our organization. It might not even be that we're above reproach, that we're so holy, that we never, we never look when we shouldn't look. We never say when we shouldn't. That, you know, that wouldn't even be our greatest attribute. Our greatest attribute would be that when we pray, things change. That ought to be what we're known for is bless God if you'll get them to pray for you. Bless God if, if, you, if you'll jump in with them. It, you know, it's, the old is gone. But that's not the case at all. Uh, for an example, let me just give you an example here. I believe I brought the example. Yeah, here it is right here. This is, uh, this is a Christian, so-called Christian magazine. And um, there's an ad in that magazine. I'm, just, I'm telling you what the church is doing. I'm not talking about some, some uh, uh, humanism uh, magazine, uh, article. This is, uh, this is an ad in there, and it says, I know God is listening Where's his reply? Now, let me read it to you. For the prayerful, there may be no greater challenge to our faith. We know God hears our prayers, yet there are times when we ask him for something important and we hear only silence. Why? Now, this person's wrote a book on this. Why does, why, when God doesn't answer your prayer by so-and-so, explores this confusing an often unsettling enigma of faith and offers comforting insights that affirm the immensity of God's love and concern for us even when our prayers are not answered. This thoughtful and beautifully written book will serve as a valuable resource for anyone who has ever wondered, I know God is listening, where is his reply? Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. You could get me started. Matter of fact, it did. Um, that's not the end of that, but that's, that's as far as I can go with that. Um, so now we have Christian books that are extending the excuse, extending the, uh, the, uh, the myth, the psychology, that you really can't expect God to answer your prayers. Well, I don't know about you, but that gives me just a sense of hopelessness. It's just like, oh, God, I feel so unqualified in my feeling realm anyway. I know I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I know I'm a new creature in Christ. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. But in the sense realm, the feeling realm, the, 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 the psyche realm, the, the suki realm, actually, in the, in the Greek, you know, sometimes you just feel like, wow. We talked about last week how after we sin, after we mess up, how unqualified we are to go directly from there boldly to the throne of grace and talk to God, that we'll let time pass. Let him simmer down, so to speak. You let him, you know, get involved with other things. And, and, and we, we rarely, after, after messing up, transgressing, failing, either by commission or omission, we rarely just turn around and say, by the way, God, I had a big, a big request, and this seemed like a great time to just run it by you. No, we slink off in our spiritual sense. We slink off and just lay low, be cool. And then at another time, many times when we can't wait any longer, 
will somehow, you know, kind of come up behind him and just love on him and say. And, you know, all this reminds you of little boys and little girls and their daddy in the, in the living room after they've broke the vase or, you know, or, or didn't come in on time and, and, and uh, having to psychologize their parents in order to get what they need. And it's not supposed to be the picture of the church. But it's been our experience as a church, and I mean talking about the worldwide church, and so by our experience, we could have changed our doctrine. And we should change our experience by our doctrine, not our doctrine according to our experience. We should let the Word of God be the sole and absolute line on our life. That when, when our experience isn't lining up with this, we change our experience. We do not touch our doctrine. It may never happen. It may never line up. We may live our whole life and we never experience what God said was ours to have, but we never change what truth is. So hopelessness is drained out when someone says you are an always answered asker. That everything you pray according to the will of God is absolutely God's plan to meet and to give you so much in that that you would say that it was exceeding abundantly above all that I could even ask or think. Amen. So the church, by and large, has never figured out, I'm talking about the whole church, how to transfer heaven into the earth. You know, we're like, like in the old Western days. I, I watched a Western the other day, and uh, you just you get to, they get out there on those Western outposts, and, and uh, they're out there, and the, the, they're all alone and everything, and they're waiting for the supply line, the cavalry, to come over the hill and, you know, resupply them and, and give them support. Well, in this Western, they never did come. Hallelujah. They never did. It was, uh, it was uh, a long time before they came. Well, that's the way a lot of Christians are. Is they're, they're, waiting on, they're waiting on heaven to resupply them, waiting on heaven to give them a boost. We know this earth down here, this world down here is hard in the sense of living in it without God, but we're waiting for heaven's resupply for the cavalry to come over the hill, and we just never can count on God. That's not right. We have um, substituted asking straight up according to the Word of God. We've substituted things that I liken into uh, placating idols. Now, you know, if you go into some uh, certain businesses in this city and others that, uh, that, are, uh, that may be run by uh, certain people, they, they may have an idol of Buddha in the corner. And I mean, you think it's decoration perhaps, but this is serious business, those people. They're putting fruit on it. They've got incense running around it. And uh, there's a certain boundary there. This is, this is their God. This is their whatever. And so they're offering things, and, and they'll, they'll sacrifice. And, and I've seen movies, and I know you have too, where, where, where demon gods in a stone edifice of some kind, that they would literally sacrifice uh, young women or, or whatever. And at the very least, they would beat themselves or, or draw blood or something. And then they would, they would give items. They would actually put items in front of that to appease the God to change his disposition. Mythology is all based upon this. These demon gods where, where appeasement is the rule and, and you, you try to curry their favor. And so, you know, we say that's devil. That's just, that's so not us. But on one sense, if we were to distill our lives down and say, how do we approach our God? We might find some elements of that in us where we, we find ourselves not in faith, but trying to appease God. 
to placate him with uh, certain things. One, for example, is that we may never actually pray for somebody. Somebody will come up and says, I need prayer or I have a need. We may never pray for them per se, but we'll do things that show God we care about them. We'll, we'll say, Lord, now we care, we believe in prayer, we believe in asking, and so we begin to do all the elements that are in line with that. We begin to get a phone, uh, 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 a prayer chain going. We could talk about prayer chains this morning, but you wouldn't be happy with me after I got finished. I don't believe in them. And it doesn't mean that they're all wrong, it doesn't mean they can't be right, but I'm talking about in the general stereotype that you just said, let's all get a prayer chain, what do y'all think we ought to do? Almost all of them would be wrong. It's just a gossip chain. It is. It just is. Well, and I don't get me started in that anyway. Or we'll have the Wednesday night prayer meeting where, where, and I've been to these, and we're not talking about anybody, but I've been to these where they put a board up and everybody that's got a need, you know, it's just put your name in there. It's like the lotto is on Saturday and you better buy a ticket before midnight. They're drawn in the morning. And so you put your name on the board. And, well, what else could I put on there? And so then Wednesday night they come in and then we're going to have prayer meeting and we're going to pray for everybody. And nothing happens. No one expects anything to happen. But it was our duty to do something and we, we placate God. We don't give him a banana or a, a you know, or a, you know, some, but we do things that tell God we care about people. Don't you care about people? And we go through this motion, this ritual, this, this form and, and, and yet, and then we say, yes, we pray at our church, and yes, we care about people at our church, but we never did anything that changed their lives. We never connected heaven, we never connected the supply line to the people. And, and the, 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 the testimony of this is, is that nobody that you've ever heard of said, because y'all prayed, my life was changed. Y'all prayed on Wednesday and Thursday. Uh, Wednesday night, I, I was at home and I was about to lose it, and I felt the power. Now, you may say, but I, you know, you may have experienced that, but we're talking about the general sense here. We're not talking about exceptions because there always is. And we're not talking that every prayer chain is evil. I remember a deacon at the church I was raised in. Now, you'll just, you'll be amazed at this. He is a fine man, a good man, a, an excellent man. But when you called on this deacon to pray at the end of the service, and the pastor would, He'd stand up, and I mean, this just has impacted me all these years. He said, Lord, and I wrote it down, we pray for all those for whom it is our duty to pray for, that you would give mercy to meet their need. Amen. Now, do y'all think heaven moved? Do y'all think people got changed? Do you think there was an answer to that prayer? We pray for all those that is our duty to pray for. Now, you're thinking that I just left out the part that he listed all the people that it was their duty. That was it. That was it. It was just like going out with a bird gun and just stepping out, you know, and just shooting in the air and thinking, you know, if, I, if, if a bird falls out, well, amen. But it does nothing. And how could we be satisfied with that? How could we, how could we not be righteously indignant with that? How could we believe that that, 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 that that agrees with God's precious, holy written word and that the character of God has been met in agreement with a faith-believing people? We'd have, to, we'd have to lose our mind. We'd have to be religiously brainwashed. And yes, we were. So even now, you may say, this is a little stiff. This is a little hard. Always answered, ask her. But there's something inside of everybody of that says, 
sure wish I knew that I could be that. If I ask you to raise your hands, how many of y'all would like to be one? It'd be unanimous. It'd be, the, it'd be the epitome, the utopia of power in your life, of blessing. Because you wouldn't just spend it on yourselves. You'd go out and you'd say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to help people get their prayers met. I, I tell people, if I pray for you, something's going to change. I mean, as far as my end of it is, I'm going to get it right. Amen. Amen. So these, um, these, uh, these, prayer med- these prayer need lists and these prayer chains and stuff, now we don't do them because they're just highly abused. And, of course, then you go to the, the, the what, what are those beads? The rosary. Oh, get me started. It's pagan. It is pagan. Period. And then we have foxhole prayers, you know, these, these prayers that says, you know, God, if you'll get me out of this situation, then, you know, I'll do it. And the, and the situation changes. And so people build a doctor on it. I prayed, I'm out, and, and all of that. But it's a whole bunch of other issues, and it just happened that that happened. Amen. Um, turn with me to, let's, let's, uh, let's go over some rules this morning for always answered asking. I've got four. There are right at 17,000, but I just picked out four this morning. <laughs> Amen. But, you know, the gospel is simpler. It's not the gospel. The first rule that I came up with is that asking is speaking. Asking is speaking. Say it with me. Asking is speaking. You're not going to get thought out prayers, thought prayers answered. It's not going to happen. Because I know that asking is speaking because faith is believing and saying and acting. So if your prayer, which is going to have to please God, obviously, is going to have faith in it, it's going to have words in it. And so we're going to have to have some some asking. Now, in James chapter 3, look up there just a little bit. Now, I want to take this context. I'm going to have to hurry. Y'all hang on right here because I want to get through this and show you something that'll help us. In verse chapter 3 of James is the context for what we read there in chapter 4 about you have not because you ask not. Verse 3 verse 11 says, Doth the fountain send forth at the same place sweet water and bitter? Can the fig tree, my brethren, bear olive berries, either of vine figs? So can no fountain bear both salt water and fresh. So there's a contrast here. You see the contrast? Who is, wise, who is a wise man and dude with knowledge among you? Let him show out of a good conversation or lifestyle his works with meekness and wisdom. But if you have bitter envying and strife in your hearts, glory not and lie not against the truth. This wisdom descendeth not from above, but is earthly, sensual, and devilish. Verse 16, for where there is envying and strife, there is confusion in every evil work. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure. And then uh, peaceable, gentle, and easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. And the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace of them that make peace. So here he's, he's, he's contrasting two, two kingdoms or two levels of living, the level of envy and strife and, and fighting and the level of peace and wisdom and knowing. And he goes on in verse four, uh, chapter 4, he says, whence, From whence come wars and fightings among you? Now, that's interesting. Come they not hence, here's where they come from, even of your lusts that war in your members. Even because of desires in your members is the reason people fuss and fight. And then he says, ye lust, hedoni, 
and have not, ye kill, and desire to have, and cannot attain. Ye fight in war, and yet ye have not. Now let's just stop there for a moment. He said here that, and we've all said that men are this way, but it's mankind. We all say that men just can't ask for directions. They just bless God. We're going to drive just one more block. And I've experienced that lately. We went to Hattiesburg. My friend, Pastor Eric West and I, we went down there. And the sun went down before we landed at the church. And nobody in that town knew anything. I asked them all. But not until we drove 17-something miles in a circle. And we saw things that are unspeakable, unmentionable. And, but we were asking. And these people didn't know anything. I mean, they didn't know anything. Well, the church, of course, the church was just three blocks from where we were all the time. The whole time, we were just all but on it. We said men just, just hate to ask directions. But James says here, and he is the Proverbs. James is the book of Proverbs, the book of wisdom of the New Testament. He says the reason that we don't, that we fight and fuss is because we don't ask for what we desire. He says that people just don't ask. He said, if you would ask, you'd get your desires, your needs, you'd get them met. But he said, he said there in verse 3, he said, uh, verse 2, excuse me, and yet ye have not because ye ask not. <laughs> now that's what the Bible says. The B-I-B-L-E says the reason we don't have is because we don't ask. The Bible just told us that we would have more if we would learn to ask more. But do people hate to ask? Yea, verily. We have been, even in our culture, but obviously this is James's culture as well, so it's, it's not just our culture. We've been taught, even by our parents, don't ask. When you go over to the neighbor's house, I know my mother, she pounded this in me. Don't you ask for anything. Don't you ask for a glass of water. Don't you put that mama out. And, you know, when your friends come over, you know, we ain't, we're not serving lunch over here. She told us this is not a buffet. This is not the cafeteria. I am not your lunch mother. You know, all this stuff. Don't ask. I got it pounding me. When you're around adults, don't ask. Now, if they ask you, you can say yes, but don't you ask. And, you know, it's just put in you. How many of y'all had that little experience in some measure? That it's impolite to ask. But, see, the Bible says you have not because you ask not. The truth is, and we can't go there this morning because I got these other 17,000 rules and stuff that I got to cover. But the truth is, if you have something that I need, listen to me, it's Bible. Now, this is bold for me to come and say, I need what you have. And it's Bible for him to say, I give it to you. And then I have. But I have not because I ask not. Well, I just want to use my faith on God. Yes, but asking is saying. See, we got this big thing in the church. I mean, it, it, it's, it's ultra, it's, uh, what do you call it? Uh, it's ultra spirituality. In other words, it's no good. <clears throat> that says, and this is where a lot of people get hurt. God knew I needed it. I didn't need to ask. It was obvious what the need of our life was. We were hurting in every direction. We were without. We, we, we needed, and it was, it's, it's just you didn't have to ask. It was obvious. And, he, and here's the other side of it. He could have met that need. Well, I got kin folks. I got kin folks. You got any kin folks that the need in your life is obvious and they have plenty? Uncle Jack is just ripping through money. I mean, he's he's replacing his cars every five thousand miles, you know, or whatever. And you know, here you are, just just the hubcaps on them would would set you over. 
and, and it's so obvious. And he just, he just, he just ignores you. We've got kin folks like that. So we attribute that to God saying, he knew my need. And he just did. I suffered. I did without. Well, did you ask? No, I didn't ask because I just want, you know, it's a little test. It's a little test. If he really loves me, he will do this for me without me asking. And see, God always flunks that test, doesn't he? Always. He always gets the bad rap of that. And so even though we come back and serve him, usually out of fear, you'll find people serving him anyway. There's a rigidity in them. There's just like, bless God, I remember a time when God didn't come through for me. So they're not bold to tell somebody else, you know, Jesus is good and he'll meet your need. He'll, he'll come through for you. They can't say that. They can't say God is good. That, that song comes up on the screen or whatever and they just sit there. I'm passing on this one. I'm serious as I can be, y'all. This is life. We've got to fix this. This isn't just a matter of, well, you know, if I, I want some Cadillac face so I can get me, you know, a new this or that. This isn't what this is talking about. This is talking about do the doctrine of who God is, the character of God. He's got rules for asking. And if you follow them, and they're all simple, if you follow them, he comes through every time, 100% guarantee. He loves to. He's made it so simple. You almost have to rebel. You almost have to rebel not to get your prayers answered. You almost have to just say, I just love the devil more than Jesus to not get your prayers answered. And yet, people don't. Amen. Um, refusing to ask God to forgive you of sin, unconfessed sin, is a major form of condemnation. You know, people are loaded down with sin. Unconfessed sin? Well, why, why, why don't you get rid of it? Well, I just, I just don't want to ask. He, he knows I'm sorry. So our... our, our, our uh, our rule number one is, is that asking is saying. If you don't say it, it hadn't happened. Are you all in here? If you haven't asked God, if you hadn't said, I'm asking you to forgive me for, for lying yesterday, for gossiping yesterday, for whatever. I'm asking you to forgive me in the name of Jesus. It hadn't happened. You can feel bad. A lot of people just go the martyr route. Oh, just feel, what's wrong with you, Jesse? Oh, I just feel so bad. And, you know, mope around for a month feeling bad instead of getting the load off. Instead of just going in the closet and saying, you know, that was a bonehead play. That was, that was dumb to the, to the max. I, Lord, I repent of that. I turn from that. I agree with you about that situation. Now I receive the refreshing of the blood. I receive cleansing from unrighteousness. I thank you, Lord. Now let's talk about some serious stuff I need. That's what we ought to do. Amen. Good preaching, Pastor. Just don't let up. Don't let up. Amen. Uh, rule number two. Let's turn to Acts chapter 3. Now, rule number 2 is that we ask the Father in the authority of Jesus. That's a good rule for asking. Acts chapter 3. Verse 16 says, And his name, through faith in his name, hath made this man strong, whom ye see and know. Yea, the faith which is by him hath given him this perfect soundness in the presence of you all. It says his, his name through faith in his name. Talking about Jesus. His name through faith in his name has made Jesus, this man, whole. Now, rule number two for the, the rules for asking is, is that we ask the Father in the name of Jesus. Now, I said authority a while ago, and that's exactly what it is. Now, in the same Christian magazine, oh, this was just a, this was a gold mine for, for illustrations. Hallelujah. <laughs> Here was an article in this same magazine, Christian magazine, of course. Uh, it says, uh, 
Here's the question. To whom should I pray, Jesus, the Father, or the Holy Spirit? Now, this question's valid because I hear people praying in all manner. I hear them praying with nothing. No, no, no authority, just praying, Lord, I'm just... And, and approaching him, Lord, I'm asking you for this. And at the end of the request, that's it. There's a period there. There's no, there's no in, the, in the name of Christ or in the name of the Lord or the name of... But see, you've got to understand, there's just one name given that has authority in all three realms. In heaven and in earth and under the earth, there's only one name and it's not Christ. It's not the Messiah. It's not the man upstairs. It is the literal speaking of the word in the English language, Jesus. Say it with me. Jesus. Now that name commands authority. There's nothing like that name. It's not the name of Christ. See, we're all little Christ if you get down to it because that word means anointed ones. He was Jesus the anointed one. It's not his last name, you know, Mary and James Christ. No, it was, it was, that was just, that was not it. Jesus of Nazareth, his name was Jesus, and that name, and we can go through all the reasons that that name was given authority, that name has authority. And we have to go to God in authority. Now, I was reminded of the story of Esther where the Bible says that she was going to go in uh, after her people had been condemned. She would go in and she said, but it's not lawful for me to go in to see the king and petition him. Nevertheless, I will go and had her maids fast and, and all sorts of stuff. And the Bible says she went in there in Esther. She went in there and the king looked at her and she walked to him and, and the, the penalty of death was upon her in her walk from the corner to the king. The penalty of death was automatic to approach the king without being called. But as she approached him, he put his scepter forward and she touched the top of the scepter, which means the penalty had been annulled. So all of a sudden he had granted her authority to go past what was illegal. He empowered her and then she had a full audience with the king. Now this is his wife, you know, but still, nevertheless, that's the way it was. So, who to whom should I pray? It says in the church today, there are some uncertainty about which person of the Trinity we should address in prayer. Some people even instruct others never to speak directly to Jesus or the Holy Spirit. And then it goes on with some things. Well, you got to know that now, the difference here is that this is talking about praying, and we're talking about asking. You ever had a conversation with the Lord Jesus? Absolutely. You ever entreated the Holy Spirit? Absolutely. Talk to the Father? Sure. But when it comes to the rules of asking, they're not interchangeable. Any more than you take a big round ball out to the diamond and, you know, batter up. Amen. You're not trying to hit the ball and do a little hoop at the other end. There's rules for sports that are different. You can't interchange them. And there's rules for prayer. There's rules for asking that are different. And the Bible clearly tells us. And it says down here, now this bothers me right here. This article goes on and says, the very names and titles of God are invitations to relationship. And relationships live and breathe through communication. Each person of the Godhead serves a vital role in the amazing human divine conversation we call prayer. And then it goes into those different roles. And it says here, it says, the sovereign Lord, talking about the sovereign Lord, should we pray to the sovereign Lord, who invites us to pray by granting us the undeserved privilege of communicating with him. Now that's wrong. See, this person, this, this author didn't know who they were. It's not undeserved to communicate with Father. I'm made in the image of Jesus. As, he, as Jesus is, so am I in the earth. I've been made the righteousness of God. If the righteousness of God can't communicate with God, well, who is there? 
I've been made, you've been made above the angels. We're a higher class than the angels. And they're sitting there working with him. So this is wrong. But we do, we do have conversations. We do pray. But when it comes to asking, turn with me if you would, uh, in your Bible to John chapter 14. When it comes to asking, then the conversation is over. Y'all say amen when you get it. Amen. John chapter 14. Help me, Lord. Chapter 14, verse 13. Now, this is simple. This is easy, but it's truth. It says in chapter 14, verse 13, And whatsoever, Jesus speaking, Whatsoever she, ye shall ask in my name, that will I do that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If ye ask anything in my name, I will do it. Now, th we've got that. We, we understand. Ask in the name of Jesus. We've got that. But, but, but it's become common to us. It's become the name of Jesus, which is a, a name of majesty. The most revered and the most, uh, 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 well, even in the Old Testament, they wouldn't even say the word Yahweh. They wouldn't even spell it. They, it was spelled with consonants. They, they wouldn't say the word. It was a holy word. It is a holy word. And so sometimes our, uh, in our uh, freedom and in our liberty, we, man, we've been set free. Woo, thank you, Lord. Whom the Son sets free is free indeed. We've been set free. We could get a little common with some things that are awful powerful. So, you, But if you look at it like this, if you substitute the word authority for the word name in this verse, it'll, it'll bring it home. It says, and whatsoever ye shall ask in my authority, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If ye shall ask anything in my authority, I will do it. See, it, Jesus is the, is the door. Jesus is the one that has the authority. Everything goes through him. Nothing goes around him. <laughs> He's the way, the truth, and the life. He's the door. Amen. So when we ask in his authority, the Father grants it. Turn with me to John chapter 15, verse 16. Slip over there, verse 16. Ye have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you that ye should go and bring forth fruit. So you're, we're, we're ordained to bring forth fruit, aren't we? That your fruit should remain that whatsoever ye shall ask of the Father in my name, in my authority, he may give it to you. See, he wants to. Amen. Turn with me uh, to John chapter 16, verse 23. And in that day ye shall ask me nothing. Now, you look in the context there, in that day is talking about uh, uh, a day that's, um, he said, someday I'll see you again. And he said, in that day you'll ask me nothing. But then he says, verily, verily, I say unto you, whatsoever ye shall ask the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Hitherto have ye asked nothing in my name. Ask, and ye shall receive that your joy may be full. Say, my joy, my joy. may be full when I ask in his name. Now, you've got to ask the Father. So this, this article I read you, it it's, it's, could be confusing. He wants us to ask. Communicate, you can pray, you can look, you can, you can. But when it comes to asking, there's only one avenue. The Father has it, and Jesus is the key. And we ask in his authority. We don't come on our own authority. I come, Lord, just based on my good works. Lord, I just come based because I've been so good this week. I, Lord, I come because I need this. Lord, I, Lord, I come because the people I want to help need this. I come, Lord, because I hadn't asked you in a long time for anything. I meet, Lord, I, I portion my asking out. I, you, I'm not one of them high-maintenance people that you're always having to fool with. Lord, I just come when I just have to have it. It means nothing. You can be the one that was the last guy in the door and just carried out half of heaven 
and be right back. And in the name of Jesus, Father says, qualified, 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 take him, load him, send him out. But he's in here all the time. Send him out. It's blessed. We're not qualified about what we do or don't do. I mean, Matthew chapter 18. Slip back to Matthew, the book of Matthew chapter 18. Are y'all hurrying? It's your lunch, not mine. Hallelujah. Verse 18, verse 19, excuse me. Again, I say unto you, New Testament, New Testament. <laughs> Chapter 18, verse 19. Again, I say unto you that, here's corporate prayer, y'all. If two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything, that word touching literally means on account of. In other words, if any two of you shall agree on earth on account of anything that they shall ask, it shall be done for them of my Father which is in heaven. For where two or three are gathered in my authority, there I am in the midst of them. He says he's there. So you just got to have you and somebody. That could be a husband and wife. That could be a brother and a sister. That could be just you and somebody. Just load up and say, we have come to agree in the authority of Jesus. See, the name of Jesus, because we love him so much, we're intimate with him. He is our friend. He's our savior, our redeemer, our healer. He's our comforter. He's everything we need. And so sometimes we, we, you know, you might throw that name around a little bit. But when you say, no, I'm coming in the authority of the name. Father recognizes that name. Angels recognize that name. Devils recognize that name. They can't get in anything when I come in that name. The path is clear. It has been encrypted, so to speak, and there's no hacking going on in the, in, the, in, the, in the heavenly transfer. He says, if two of you just come and agree on anything, on account of anything that they need or want, he said, it'll be done by my Father. Father's waiting. Always answered asking. It's just so easy. Number three, you've got to ask according to the will of God. Rule number three is you got to ask according to the will of God. Now, that makes sense, but I could tell you all about many accounts where people were just throwing stuff out there saying, whatever, he might just change his mind and give it to me. He never changes his mind. The same thing that makes you able to come to him for anything that's in his will is the very same thing that says you can get nothing from him that's not in his will. Look with me, if you would, to, to Mark chapter, excuse me, to John chapter 15. John chapter 15. Now this verse, people don't like this verse. You know, a lot of people don't like this verse because they, they think it's too liberal. They just think, you know, that's too broad. We want something that we can know and, you know, kind of a legalism. We kind of like to know what the rules are. But Jesus said himself, verse 7, If ye abide in me, okay, there's a qualification, and my words abide in you. Ye shall ask, there's that word ask, ye shall ask what ye will. Oh my, oh my. James, you can ask what you will. Pam, you can, you can say, God, this is what I will. And what do you say about it? He said, it shall be done unto you. But the qualifier is that keeps it into the will of God is that you're abiding in him and his words are abiding in you. So if you don't get a prayer answered in that, I mean, you're out there. You just have to say, he wanted to, but I didn't abide in him and his words didn't abide in me. And there you even have a clue of what God's expecting to come back to him. What qualifies prayer is his words. He didn't say if you'd get the need all specified. Now, do you need do you need 20 of them or could you get by on 19? You know, he didn't say you had to have that even right. He said, did you get my will right? 
I already know how many you need. I already know what would bless you. I already know, and I'm going to throw in some extra. I'm going I'm I'm to pad this thing so that if one drops off, you'll still have plenty when you get there. He's so good. Y'all, he is so good. He just wants to show you how good. That's the whole thing. But it's not a handout. The sinner can't get into this. You see this? It's a book that everybody can read. Anybody can read. It's, it's, and there's not, a, there's not a, a heavenly policeman that's saying, okay, we're going to do a frisk here. We're going to do a search. We're going to do a metal detector here. See if you have any unlawful prayers. It's all heart stuff. If you can't get it in the heart, if you can't get this thing where you just are falling in love with the will of God, you, you can't get there anyway. So that's why people have said, well, you know, I love God. I've served him all my life. I've done without. I've, I've gone here and done that and whatever. Surely that qualifies. It has nothing to do with anything. Amen. It's just the evidence of your heart. Amen. Now, the other verse uh, concerning asking according to the will of God is 1 first, is first John, of course, chapter 5. And let's look at that just so that we could say we went through it. Amen. First cha- John chapter 5. Woo, thank you, Lord. We're fixing to have answered prayer in this church. We're fixing to get over there. We're not going to be just clattering around, moaning around, groping around, wallering around, saying, oh, God, could you just throw me a little bone? We're not going to do that anymore. Bless God. We're going to come boldly to the throne of grace. We're coming boldly. We may not come as often, but bless God when we come. There's a transaction. There's a deal done. There's a transfer made. We leave that place of transaction changed. 1 John chapter 5, verse 14 says, And this is the confidence. Now you need to know that the context for this is the confidence is verse 13 where it says that ye know you may ha- that ye know ye have eternal life. There's no, there's no confidence until you know you've got the eternal life, the Zoe life of God on the inside of you. So there's another little qualifier. And he says, This is the confidence or the faith that we have in him that if we ask him anything. According to his will, he heareth us. And if we know that he hear us whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions we desired of him. So we, we can say that's the will of God. We've got to go back to, well, I've got to pray the will of God. I've got to ask according to the will of God. Well, what's his will? It's his word. You'll never come short. You'll never mess up. Sometimes people ask for jobs or situations and say, Lord, I want to work down at Walmart. Lord, I want to work over there at, at Ace or I want to work over there at Abco or whatever. I, Lord, give me a job there. Well, you know, you can't find that. Abco and Ace may not be in there. You know, run a reference on it. It may not be in there. So you can't really put that up to God that says, thou shalt. But you can say, Lord, you promised to prosper me that all I put my hand to. You said, Lord, that you that the that the man works for seed and the seed sets his living. So, Lord, I'm thanking you for work for seed. And you can go to him and he'll honor his word because it is his will because it is his word. Amen. Amen. Now, lastly, we've got to to go. Rule number four. This is the one I like. Act on the answer as soon as you ask. Act on the answer as soon as you ask. And that would be Mark chapter 11. We like Mark chapter 11. Now, we talk about this all the time, but we'll just say it because uh, it fits here. When you're in faith about something, when you have a confidence, when you're an always answered asker, you're going to be a studier. You're going to be a meditator concerning your praying. That's what we've done is just prayed out of our head. Y'all help me here if it comes up in your heart. We've just prayed out of our head. We've just got up there and said, that would be cool, and just like a Christmas wish list. We we, We do Christmas lists at our house. Everybody puts down what they want. 
I guarantee you it's, it's a wish list. Well, yeah, it's, not, it's not a done deal. This is not Father God, hallelujah. But, you know, we work on it with one another. We like to get what people like. But, uh, but we've, we've gone to God and just out of our head. We hadn't meditated. We hadn't studied on it. I guarantee you when, when we have a little, this little list thing going on in our house, we meditate on it. We think about it. And we're, knowing all the guys in our family, we get detailed. You don't just put out there, you know, I, I want a bracelet. Anything could show up. <laughs> you know, necklace, anything could show up. I saw this down at the corner of the block. So we get specific. Our praying ought to be specific. The more specific you are, the greater focus you have and the greater expectation you'll develop. But now Mark chapter 11, verse 24 says, Whatsoever things ye desire when you pray, believe that ye receive them, believe that ye receive them, and ye shall have them. So when should you receive them? When you pray. So that tells me that I'm not waiting on what I prayed to happen before I go back and work on the next step. I begin to take steps in my life based on that happening. Even though I just prayed it, I am an always answered asker, so bless God, since that's in, since that's done, that's taken care of, I've received it. Now, because of that being done, I can act on that being done in my next asking. So I begin to take a step saying, okay, now what's the next step in this? Instead of saying, hmm, 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 you know, when that comes, we'll go, okay, we got that. Now we can take a step. No, that's not faith. Faith says, I got it. But see, the church hadn't been able to do that because we're like, yeah, you never know what God's going to do. Yes, we do. Amen. Now turn with me to the last scripture, Ephesians chapter 6. This is, this is one that the Lord just brought up in my heart last night. and I just want to visit about it just a second. And, and it's not really a rule for asking, but, you know, it just works. And Ephesians chapter 6, verse 8 says this. Knowing that whatsoever good thing any man doeth, the same shall he receive of the Lord, whether he be bond or free. Knowing that whatsoever good thing any man doeth. Now, you know, the Lord's going to, uh, he's going to lead you as an asker to also be his agent as an answerer. He's going to call you. He's going to speak to you. He's going to minister to you to be the answer to somebody else's asking. Now, it's not because they have it on their forehead. I've asked God for $600. Could you help? You know, no amount too small. No, that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about you get unction. You get, you get it rising up in you. Bless God. I just feel like I'm supposed to put $40 right over here. Amen. I just, and so we just do that. We obey it. We don't find out till later, if ever. They say, oh, I believe in God for $40. I had to have it by the noonday, you know. Thank you, Lord. All the credit and glory goes to him. That's where our prayers went. That's where we asked. But I, God had to use it. Men given to your uh, pressed down, shaken together, running over. And so when you are open on that sense to answer other people's prayers, excuse me, to meet the need of other people's asking, then it makes you wide open for provision in your own life. In other words, you could have done something that, with that $40 that was towards what you were asking for, what you were believing for. It could have fit there. How many of y'all know money fits everywhere? 
But when you sow it, then all of a sudden it leaves a place. It leaves an open spot in you that demands replenishment, demands refurnishing. It expedites heaven, I can tell you. All of getting is not waiting and just expecting. Some of it is looking for a place to sow. There's, there's been too many times to even tell you how many times when after my wife and I asked in the name of Jesus, according to the will of God, that he didn't come right back to us and say, here's what you should do. And it always involves sowing a seed. It always involved getting involved in something that may or may not be related to what we'd asked at all. Well, the people got quiet right there. <laughs> but it's the truth. It's not just the little bird with his mouth open saying, Mama, Mama, come and feed me. It's a matter of, of, of having a harvest that, 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 uh, you have, uh, that you have sowed to that you have set your life in agreement with. So we're giving. I believe this. That when you ask God for something, when you go to him, that, uh, that uh, he has already, because he knows you're going to ask him. He knows in March you're going to ask him. Many times I believe that in January or in October, he'll have you, he'll give you unction to start sowing for that even before you ask for it. He'll have you start planting stuff. And then when you ask for it, the seed's in the ground, grown up. The next morning it can come to you. See, God's not magic, y'all. He's not magic. He's supernatural, but he's not magic. We cannot put magic on God. There's rules in heaven, rules that we live by, rules that we're blessed by. So you can't just say, well, God will just break the rules and do it for me because I asked. No, that's the rules of asking. There's order in heaven. Thank God. That keeps the devil out. That keeps the supply line sure, everything you need. So let's stand up this morning. How many of y'all got something out of this? Amen. Well, we're going to ask this morning. Now, we're not going to be foolish. And if you